Hello, I'm Tina Sederholm. Welcome to This Is Not Therapy, a podcast for people who like to find the marvellous in the mundane. Hello and welcome to Series 2, Episode 7 of This Is Not Therapy, which is called Rest, The One That Got Away. Now, I'm still not sure if this is a story about getting sufficient downtime or one about letting go of beloved projects. It's probably a bit of both. I've always had a a tricky relationship with taking days off and holidays because as soon as I have the thought, oh, goodness, I, I could really do with a little time out, a little day off or something here. The next thought that rushes in is, but there's all these things to do. You know, I'm, <laughs> I've, got, I've, got, I've got endless lists, written ones, virtual ones. I'm sure, I'm sure you have the same sort of thing. I'm just not able to kind of separate myself very easily. Uh, I, I could blame it on my upbringing. I, I grew up with horses and horses don't tend to take a day off. You know, even when the horses have a day off, that's that's the day when the human beings catch up on other things. So that's sort of quite trained into me. And yet it's not the most useful behaviour to have. So this has been an ongoing conversation for me. Uh, in my life about how to take time off without going into an anxiety spiral about it. However, recently I've been reading a book called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. And if you've ever needed evidence for why eight hours sleep a night is a non-negotiable if you want to function well, lose weight and not get Alzheimer's, this is the book to read. And, and uh, not taking your eight hours like I do, you know, kidding yourself that an hour's reading counts as an hour's sleep. It's really about getting that, that eight hours sleep in the same sort of time period every night. Uh, seriously, seeing all that scientific evidence for why it's a good idea. In fact, not just a good idea. It's absolutely vital to health and well-being has helped me calm that anxious part of my brain that thinks I should be filling every waking and sleeping hour with something useful. Reading this book has also shown me, not for the first time, that uh, when I judge myself as lazy, when I'm tired, I'm just wrong. Being tired is not being lazy. Being tired is being tired. Also, let your teenagers sleep. Okay, I'm becoming amazingly evangelical and uh, I'm on the edge of giving away the juice of this story. So let's just go ahead and have a listen to Rest, the one that got away. It's August 2018 in Edinburgh. I'm walking up Cowgate weaving across the road through near stationary traffic, nodding at the flyers huddled in doorways or leaning against walls. The pavements are only one person wide, so we have to suck our bodies in as I pass. If one of them says, Looking for comedy? I hold my own flyers up and wave silently. It's halfway through the fringe, and most of them will understand the international flyers' language for... Don't bother. They'll probably nod back. 
You get used to rejection whilst flyering. People averting their gaze or taking your flyer and then sticking it in the nearest bin or dropping it on the street. You learn it's not about you. Who knows? Those people walking by might not care about your one-woman homage to the abuse of Chinese silk makers. They might not even speak English. They may just be trying to get to work. My run has been going well. After a slow start with audiences of five or six, I'm now pretty much filling my venue. Okay, that's only 40 seats. But this is the fringe, and the reality can be depressing. Someone with over a million YouTube hits to their name just had two shows in a row with zero audience. Last week, I got the gold fairy dust of a five-star review from three weeks, which has made a big difference to audience numbers. I don't think about whether I'm tired. I just keep putting one foot in front of the other, past posters tied to railings, creeping up walls, posters stapled on top of other posters. Sometimes, especially if it rains heavily, these wedges of posters start to lean away from the walls, looking like decomposing sandwiches. Many are clever, in bright primary colours, whizzy fonts, with bold faces making garish expressions. See my show! See my show! Ah, it's mizzling. That fine, damp, not quite rain, now with an autumn chill. A poster jumps out at me. I catch my breath. I'm usually so adept at tuning them out, but this one, this one, it's got me on it. Except it's not the poster for this year's show. Instead, on this poster... I'm lying on a chaise long, head snuggled into the armrest, a smile flickering at the corners of my mouth. The word rest is suspended above me in block capitals. The letters look like they are dancing. And then it's gone. <sighs> like a mirage. Well... I guess I now know what my next show will be. This isn't a total surprise. I've been internally agitating for a while about being middle-aged, about not having the energy I used to have, feeling ashamed for not wanting to do as much as I used to do. I've done my best to chase those feelings away. Who wants to admit their weaknesses? Besides, I don't feel 50 in my mind. The other reason I'm, I'm not surprised about the subject matter of my apparently new show is because of an episode of the Robcast that I listened to a couple of days before. Rob Bell is one of my favourite podcasters and this episode was called Manuha. 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 That's the Hebrew word for rest. And on it, he's talking about how on the seventh day, God rested. Side note, I am not a fan of organised religion, but I do love listening to Rob Bell. In Manuha, he presents this idea of a day of rest being not just a time of recovery, 
but more a vital part of the creative process. A day of celebration and acknowledgement. A day when God rested, looked back and said, and it was good. A day that comes with regularity. One in seven, obviously. Rob compared this to our Western culture of go, go, go until you drop and then taking a day off to recover from exhaustion only in order to go, go, go again. He compared it to other creative processes. Imagine, he said, a melody with no rest notes, no silent beats. It would just be a wall of noise. The rest in a piece of music is not an afterthought. It is an intrinsic part of the melody. It made me think of the white space around a poem on the page. How moving a line or stanza break changes the meaning without changing a word. I thought about being on stage and how, if I'm listening to the audience as I speak, I can feel exactly when they might need me to pause so they can absorb the last sentence I've said. Something happens in those empty spaces. They're not an irritation, a necessary evil or a sign of weakness because they don't appear to be full of anything or that they're not being used to tick off the next item on my to-do list. Rob Bell finished the podcast with a challenge. Want to get more done? Then take a day off. This all made total sense to me. And yet, I still found it so difficult to stop. To take that day off. So in 2019, I started to investigate this tension between what a good idea it is to take a day off and how difficult it is to take a day off, in order to develop a script for rest. I had lots of ideas. For instance, I could imagine my to-do list as this great big puppet that was sort of attached to my wrists, that I would be involved in a big tango around the stage, and, and then every time I sat down, it would just sort of crumple all over me. I wrote down stories I could remember from my various brushes with burnout. I read loads of books and listened to podcasts about how to rest. And at the same time, I was disappearing into a Bermuda Triangle of finding a care home for my dad because he was suffering from Alzheimer's, helping my mum get to an epic list of hospital appointments when she was diagnosed with a brain tumour, and caring for my beloved dog, Ralph, after failed surgery for a torn cruciate ligament. At the same time, I was also touring the show, Everything Wrong With You Is Beautiful, writing the body of a new poetry collection, as well as all this preliminary work on rest. Don't freaking laugh. I get the irony too. I did at least come up with some blurb. Ever felt like you can't switch off? That even when you're sitting down, you're still running at a hundred miles an hour? Tina Sederholm is a recovering workaholic, trying to take the occasional nap and still achieve her dreams. 
Join her as she battles annoying gurus and tyrannical deadlines to escape a world that puts productivity on a pedestal and discovers the value of a proper day off. Of course, rest didn't get written in 2019. Things did settle down. But by the time New Year's Eve comes along, Neil and I are too knackered to even wander down to the local pub to see the New Year in. Instead, we lay on our sagging sofa and at midnight raised a glass, saying, Here's to 2020. It's going to be a whole lot better. I could show you a thousand ideas in my notebooks that never got made. There's a character I came up with, a staunch, hard-nosed Tory politician whose eyes started leaking one day and wouldn't stop. Whatever he does, his body won't stop crying. Oh, and then there was a show called The Show Me Love Show. That one was a Scandi-Noir pastiche. The title reference was quite niche. It was a play on Lucas Moudesson's first film. Yeah, told you. Then there was Evie and the Unicorn Hunter, a follow-up to the first show I made, Evie and the Perfect Cupcake. Did you know the Scots used to have a gold coin called a unicorn? I disappeared down a lot of rabbit holes on that one. I even made a unicorn horn for my landlady's pony so we could do a show image. This would have driven my younger self crazy. I was so obsessed with completion. Completing stuff was more important than whether what I'd done was any good or whether I'd had any fun doing it. And I couldn't rest until everything was done. It was a woman called Mary Ann Somerville who said to me about 15 years ago, you know, you don't have to finish everything. I greatly admired her. But at that precise moment, I thought she was mad. Of course I had to finish everything. Wasn't that the rule? I'd completely misunderstood that classic rule that when it comes to to-do lists, there are three other Ds apart from do it. There's also delegate, dump and defer. Apparently, I now remembered, when you look at a list of tasks, you don't automatically do all of them. Instead, you assign them to one of these categories. I don't know if I will ever write rest. It's unlikely. It's it's like the moment's gone. And so it's on the defer list, edging towards dump. But there's something about this show that still doesn't leave me alone. It's probably because I still find it difficult to switch off. Look at me now, on a bank holiday Monday, finishing this script. A few days ago, I was chatting to my long-time collaborator, Rachel May Brady, about my sadness around not making rest, in contrast to how easy I found it to let those other shows go. She said, Tina, not everything needs to become a work of art. Did it ever occur to you that you get messages in the form of shows? That the universe knows the only way you will listen to something important is if it sends you the information in the form of a creative idea? Maybe 
You didn't need to write a show about rest. You just needed to take a rest. The bummer is, there are a lot of good ideas in all that work I did for rest. Here are three I salvaged from those early drafts. Number one. Rest is a vital part of the creative process, not an inconvenience we have to deal with. We regenerate when we sleep. We process when we sleep. Just like a seed needs time underground before it sprouts, we need to go underground. In short, good shit happens when we sleep. Doing an all-nighter does not make better work. And anyway, you're not 20 anymore. Number two. You probably have lots of unhelpful beliefs about rest, like only lazy people rest. I don't have time to rest. These are a couple of mine. Find your own and give those bastards the sack. Number three. This one is from David White. The antidote to exhaustion is not necessarily rest. It's wholeheartedness. He's talking about the seductiveness of busyness, the self-importance of speed. Because when we get things done quickly, ooh, we get noticed and we get praise. Speed and busyness also mean that we're not fully there. Full circle back to my rush to just get that to-do list done. <sighs> Basically, Here, he's talking about presence, about resting into the moment, because that is what true rest does. It helps bring us back to ourselves. 6pm, New Year's Eve, 2019. The tunnel of light from my headlamp cuts through the silky dark. Picks out rain so fine it falls like glitter in a snow globe. I am walking the dogs for the final time this year. I think of friends and acquaintances posting photos of themselves on Facebook from 2010 and now. Normally I would join in, announce my top 10 victories, the sorrows of my decade. Later... Write a letter to myself filled with secret wishes for the new year. But bruised sinuses and tonsils battle-scarred from coughing have rendered me capable only of necessities. The past year's snow globe was shaken and shaken again without settling. It never became unshook. It is good to walk, though, to notice the rain pearlescent on supple grass. I still have magnificent dreams. Feel them stirring already, even if only as a whisper to myself. I feel no need to end anything with a trumpet call. But to start tomorrow as I finish today. Delighting in the vaporous arrival of a few lines to a new poem. Oh, I really love that poem. 
it was actually supposed to be in the book, This Is Not Therapy, but um, one of the bits of feedback I got when I sent the manuscript out to some friendly readers was that there were an awful lot of poems about writing poems. And so I had to take a couple out that sort of referenced writing in order to get the balance right. But I was always sad about that because I think especially that poem... (laughs) The irony of it being in 2019 and uh, me with no idea of the big rest that was coming uh, makes it doubly poignant. Or maybe that's just for me. (laughs) But anyway, uh, as you can probably tell, I really like it. So uh, I hope that I hope that story has given you a little bit of food for thought about maybe some things you could just declare done at whatever state they're in right now. As a good friend of mine often says, if you want to start a new conversation, you have to stop the one you're having now. Yes, I could learn a lot from that, actually. So that's it for this week. I'm on a little break between shows. My, My next one is at the end of June. So I'm actually editing manuscripts at the moment although other people's manuscripts, um, although I have room for one or two more. So if you have a manuscript or you're putting together a poetry collection or you need help with a show or perhaps you've just written a wedding speech and you'd like some, some kind, constructive feedback, just get in touch and I would be delighted to help. You can ping me an email, tina at tinasetterhome.com And we can get together on Zoom or in person and just give that script a good wrangle. Uh, It's one of my favourite things to do after being on stage, of course. So until next time, may you rest often and well. And may it be guilt-free, deep and rejuvenating. Hi, Tina again. Thanks for listening to This Is Not Therapy. All the books and resources mentioned in the podcast are listed in the show notes, where you can also sign up to my monthly newsletter. If you want to book me for a talk or show, or even buy a book, please go to www.tinasetterhome.com. And finally, don't forget to subscribe! <laughs>